Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Chapter number 14, just uh, we want to obey God tonight. I wasn't sure exactly if you'd have us to preach or maybe somebody else had something, but we're going to trust him tonight that uh, we have the word and he certainly give us a message and the first chance I've had to preach it and I appreciate the opportunity, so you pray for me. Um, there's sometimes that when you preach a message, you... I've questioned whether or not God got it right as far as the audience. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir on Wednesday night, and yet this message feels a, a bit uh, a bit for a broader audience, but who knows who'll be listening tomorrow um, or may be sitting among us tonight that the Word of God finds indifferent. So... Uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter number 14. We'll begin at verse number 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, bade many, and sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the Lord, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. The Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Father, thank you for your word. We pray you'd open our hearts to it. We confess our, Lord, need for your unction. We pray that you would speak to us and may we receive it and respond. We pray for every heart that's here tonight, trusting you in all of this. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll find in the 14th chapter of Luke that Jesus had gone to the house of a Pharisee for supper. He'd gone to eat with a Pharisee. Now, Jesus was not indifferent to the Pharisee or the sinner, either one. He'd go eat with either one. I like that part about this. He was not unwilling to eat with the Pharisee, even though uh, they typically had had an agenda of inviting him. They were going to attempt in some way or another to to, uh, tempt him, and they certainly did here in this one as well. You'll find earlier in the chapter that a man with the dropsy had been put inside the same room. Now, typically the Pharisee wouldn't have had uh, someone with the dropsy in the crowd as he had invited probably the best of the best and the elite to the Pharisees. And 
had invited Jesus there on the Sabbath day and then put a man with a dropsy in the same room on the Sabbath day. And you know what they knew? They knew Jesus was probably going to do something to that man. And that would give them something that they could uh, hold against him again. Here he was healing again on the Sunday or the Sabbath day, Saturday. And the Bible said Jesus did do that. He healed the man with the dropsy. And before uh, they could say anything, he asked them, any man having an ox in the ditch, would you not get him out? And, uh, of course, they couldn't say anything against that. And we find there that Jesus healed the man with the dropsy. And in the same instance, he dealt with the proud and the sinful hearts of the many Pharisees that had gathered there that night. And uh, he had challenged their own hearts. You know, it would be a, if, if you're here tonight and your heart's proud and indifferent against God, it's, uh, it's unwise to invite him to supper because he's going to challenge you. Uh, he's going to deal with your issues. Jesus went to eat with them, but that wasn't his intent. I believe he had every intent always to do the will of God and to follow him. We find that when this poor man with the dropsy was there, the Lord had mercy on him on the Sabbath day, and he healed him. And he took care of that. And then he dealt with the hearts of the proud who would have something to say against it. But that wasn't the only thing. He began to notice as uh, they began to make uh, the noise that supper was about ready, that a bunch of them Pharisees began to scurry around and find the best seats. And they did so because they were proud of heart. I did some study about that. I'm not sure I understand it exactly, but typically there were three on each side of a table. And these kind of tables, you were on the floor. You kind of laid back. You wasn't sitting in a chair like we do today for the most part. But, but the center position on the table on either side was what they considered the head of the table. Now, to get in the center position, you got to be the first one there. Because if somebody gets it before you, you're stuck on the ends. And those were the, the places of lower esteem. And as they began to run around and, and run and try to get them high places and to sit down in there, Jesus, he caught right on to that business and he began to scold them for that as well. And I'm not going to preach about that, uh, but I'm trying to get to that. Uh, what I wanted you to see is that when Jesus or when Jesus is anywhere, he's dealing with all the problems in the room, not just part of them. I don't know your problem tonight. Um, I can barely keep up with my own, but I know this much. He does know. He knows when I'm telling the truth, and he knows when I'm lying. He knows the humbleness of my heart, or he knows the pride. God's not confused. He never has been. Not one day of my life has God scratched his head and thought, well, I wonder what he's thinking really. I wonder what he really means, what his intent really is in his heart. God always knows. And I tell you, I like that. Uh, There's times it's greatly uncomfortable to know that somebody can see right down the inside of me. They know everything in my heart. They know everything in my mind. And yet it's all so comforting to know I can't hide it. (laughs) Oh, God, because I know this flesh. If it was possible to hide something from God, I'd try that. 
I'd, you would too. Don't think you wouldn't. Every one of us would try to hide it from God if we thought we could get away with it. But oh, what a relief it is to know that I can't hide anything from his all-seeing eye. He knows everything, knows every heart, knows every intent. And his word, friend, is able to pierce right down into the areas of my life where I need the most word. And oh, I thank him tonight that he doesn't spare me. Amen. He doesn't look over my sin. He doesn't look past my pride. He doesn't look past those things in our lives that are undone or that need to be done. The Lord always is moving, I believe, in the hearts of his people trying to bring us closer and to make us better. But we find the place where Jesus had dealt with the pride of their their envious hearts as they began to run around trying to find the best seats and Jesus schools them on the issue. But I find something interesting and I'm going to read you uh, what the man actually said in verse number 15 here. And that's where I want to start tonight. And, And when one of them, now, he's talking about the Pharisees, and he said, when one of them sat at meat, that sat at meat with him, heard these sayings, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now, there was a bunch of people that was invited to this meal. A lot of folks, most of them Pharisees. Most of them like-minded and proud. Most of them that had other agendas for inviting the Lord there. But as he began to deal with them, we find one of them that I believe it made him uncomfortable. I believe as he heard the Lord speak and he heard the truth of his word, that he began to recognize that he might be one of them that the Lord was talking to. And as they had sat there at meat or they were all sitting down, this one thought he would just come off with a, a, a regular cliche that they shared. Now, I found this just by studying some other things that often they would say one to another, blessed is he that eateth in the kingdom of God. Blessed is he that eateth bread in the kingdom of God. And they would just share it, you know, like somebody might say, come and eat. Or somebody say, wash up, we're ready. Some of them normal things that we might say to one another as we prepare to to sit down to a meal. This man just thought he'd break the ice. The Lord had been pretty hard on most of them, so he thought he'd just throw out that that standard uh, saying concerning He said, blessed is he that eats bread in the kingdom of God. Now, I can see why they'd say it. Certainly every man that has the hope of ever eating in the presence of God is blessed. But uh, did you know the Lord didn't even leave that one alone? He didn't even leave that statement alone. And I'm so glad that when you're in the presence of God, he's going to get right to business. I'm glad that you can't fool him. I'm glad that when uh, even the, the, the words that are said that are tried to detract or to, uh, to persuade others to think something different or to change the subject, I'm glad that the Lord Jesus knows just exactly what to do. Now, uh, it's likely that many of us in our heart tonight would say, well, he's going to preach on the proud tonight. I'm not actually, I'm not going to preach on the proud, but it's, you're probably proud if you're thinking of that tonight. You probably need to repent as well. 
But I want you to think tonight about how important it is to recognize what Jesus would say to them next when this man, he, he just ran back and he said, Blessed is he that he's bred in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus immediately responded and began to tell them a parable. Now, he wasn't going to come right out and say it, but I believe he spoke it and they heard it in this parable. What the Lord was saying wasn't that, blessed is he that eateth bread in the kingdom of God wasn't true. Everybody would agree tonight that that's a true statement. What he was going to do was to address the need in their heart because everybody that was fixing to eat bread in that room was not necessarily going to be the ones that eat bread in heaven. And there's a lot of people have made assumption they're going to heaven today because they go to church every now and then because they had good parents or because they live a so-called good life and they think somehow or another that that's going to get them into the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you something. Everybody that says, Lord, Lord, ain't one of his. Everybody that cries, I'm a child of God and I'm a Christian, that doesn't mean they're a Christian. There's many unconverted believers in this world today and they're just as confused as a lost man, if not more, because I can tell you right now, they don't have their name written in the book and they will not eat bread in heaven. They're not going. They're not going. That's what Jesus was going to deal with. This man made a statement that was a generalization. Blessed is the man that eats bread in the kingdom of God. It's a true statement. Certainly every man that will is blessed. But what Jesus was fixing to do was to tell them a story and to reveal that most people ain't actually going to heaven. Now, I don't know how you feel about that. It doesn't make any difference. Because when it comes to the word of God, it's pretty clear. The majority of people today are on a broad way that leadeth to destruction and they're going to miss heaven. They might live with the assumption that they're going to get there. And by the way, you can ask a lot of people today and they'll all tell you that they're going to heaven. But let me give you some news tonight. The Lord Jesus said that ain't so. They're not going to heaven You've made an assumption that you're going to get there. You've made an assumption that you're going to eat bread in the kingdom of God just because you hang out with the godly people, just because you go to God's house every now and then, just because you pick up the Bible or you own one. Brother, you've made an assumption. If you've not been born again, you're not going to heaven. You ain't going to get there. What Jesus was dealing with was a generalization that was made. He was going to deal with it in public and he was going to do so via a parable. Now, these other, these other things that he dealt with, he just dealt with them straight up, but this one he did so with a parable. A parable is, is an earthly conversation. It's an earthly statement that has a heavenly meaning. All the parables that Jesus gave were the, were the same in that regard. They were, earthly, they were earthly examples that were of a heavenly meaning. Jesus was fixing to give that right here, and I want to give that as quickly as I can. But the premise of the message tonight is there's a lot of people assuming they're going to heaven. And the Lord Jesus wants you not to assume that business. And he dealt with them, and he'll deal with us. And I'm grateful for that. I'm glad that he cares when a man is confused about whether or not he's going to go to heaven. Listen, Ain't no question in my heart or others. If you're here tonight, bless your heart, I love you tonight. I don't know anybody I don't love. But I want you to know just because 
I love you, or just because you're a part of this church, just because you're a member, or you've been baptized, brother, you can still die, go to hell. If you ain't been born again, you're not going to heaven. Now, Jesus felt this very serious issue. The man may have made it flippantly. He may have just spoke it because he always spoke it before every time he did eat anywhere. But Jesus dealt with the issue. And I'll tell you right now, we ought to be careful when we get the opportunity and somebody generally speaks and you've got an idea. They ain't got any idea what they're talking about. You ever talked about something? You talked with somebody and they say, oh, yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Yep, I go to church most of the time. I'm there at least part of the time anyway. And they'll, they'll give you this or that. But when it comes down to spiritual things, they ain't got no idea what you're talking about. You know why that is? It's because they, they're not really going to heaven. They've heard about it and they've heard about him, but they don't know him. They don't know him. They've made an assumption that they're going to get there somehow or another. But I want to be clear tonight. The message tonight is not to assume you're going to heaven. Don't make that terrible, tragic mistake. This man made a general flippant statement in among of that big crowd and Jesus just stopped everything. He said, let me deal with what you just said. I just love how he did, how he did that. But let me tell you, he said a certain man had made a supper, a great supper. I say to you today that uh, I know who the man is he's talking about. Again, this is an earthly, earthly conversation, earthly statement or example that has a heavenly meaning. He says, a man, a man, certain man made a great supper, and I want you to know that the Lord has made a great supper, and he is in the process of inviting everyone to join now, we're going to all sit down and eat with him one day that have been born again, and we're going to experience the glory of that great supper. And I bless his holy name for the day that he came in. And, well, bless the Lord. I can't hardly get past that. Amen. I want to tell you that one. He gave me an invite one day. It was a long time ago. Amen. And I was just a child. But when he gave me the invite, bless God, there's something in me woke up. There's something in me hurt him. There's something in me new that that man was one I wanted to go eat with. I don't know about you, but I have grown to love him more and more. And there's ever a desire in my heart to be around his people, to be around his word, to be around the things of God. And you say, how come? Well, because he's made a difference in me that day. And he gave me the invite. He made a call to me and said, I'm going to invite you to come into my house. I want you to know that I moved in and he moved in me. Both those things happened. I'm waiting on the great supper to occur, but I'm in my seat. What about you? In your seat tonight, are you there? Do you know that you have already made the old account settled? And is it ready? Are you certain that when you say, I'm going to heaven, that you're making an assumption off of something you've done? There's a lot of people today that are living blind to this simple truth. Not everybody goes to heaven. Not everybody's going to get there. Not everybody that cries out those flippant sayings about Christ. Lord, Lord, have we not done all these things in your name? To hear him say in the end, in the book of Matthew, the Lord would say in the end, he'll say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Never knew you. You say, how could that happen? They made an assumption about having a ticket to the supper, about having a seat at the Lord's table. Do you have one tonight? (laughs) 
Well, thank the Lord. I feel it in my soul. I like it when he reassures me. I like it when the Holy Spirit reminds me that his word is what gives us confidence and comfort. Brother, if you've been invited to the supper of God and the Holy Ghost, conviction has got you one day and brought you to an awareness that you needed to be saved and you surrendered your heart and repented unto God and was born again, brother, then you can say with me, blessed is the man that eats the bread in the kingdom of God. But if you you're still lost today and you're making an assumption about your eternity Jesus would deal with this he said a certain man made a great supper and he bade many I believe according to the word of God that he bade everybody I believe that everybody got an opportunity and you heard that as much as that I read it some got an invitation first and they rejected it and then he sent out and he said go get the blind the maimed, the halt and the poor and all them them folks that can't do for themselves. And so he did. The servant went out there and he brought all them in. And he looked at the Lord and he said, Lord, he said, I've done what you said. And he said, there's still room. And the Lord said, hey, then go on out there again. He said, go into the highways and the hedges. And he said, compel them to come in. He said, for supper's ready. May I say to you that what he said was the supper is now ready. I want you to know that today is the day of salvation, the invitation of Jesus Christ. If it comes to you, if it's this very night, or if it's tomorrow when you're listening to this, whenever it is, when the invitation from the servant of God comes to your heart, you better respond to that because today the invitation has come. Tomorrow it may never return. You're assuming today that if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, you could walk out of here and assume that you can come back in here Sunday and get the same invitation. May I say to you today that there was an invitation given and then he moved on to the next bunch. There's no promise, friend, that he'll ever come back your direction. He don't have to. Well, he don't have to. Well, he didn't have to give you an invitation at all. But according to the word of God, the Bible said Jesus Christ died once and for all. And I believe according to the word of God, the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us to die ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live righteously, soberly, and godly in this present world. I want you to know, I believe Christ is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. What are you saying, preacher? I believe every man's going to get a chance one way or another. Is the Holy Spirit of God that's going to convict them. They're going to have an awareness. They're going to have an awakening, and they'll have an opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ. But not every man will believe him. Not every man will believe him. The Bible said that he made the invitation first to those that were bidden. Now, I'm going to say this in context. that According to the word of God, what we know is, is that he came unto his own, but his own received him not. Right? That's what we know. Who did he come to? The Bible said he came for the lost house, the lost sheep of Israel. That's who the Lord Jesus came to first. And that's who he sent his disciples to first. Is because he had come for the Jew, but the Jew rejected him. We can find it in the Word of God for the most part. 
Most of the Jews rejected him, and ultimately the Jews crucified him, and it was the Jews that did those very things. And then the God, God called his men and the, and the apostle Paul as well to go out unto the Gentiles and to preach to them. And the Bible said he saved as he desired to save. He added unto the church as he thought fit, saw fit every day. May I say to you today, when the call of God comes to you, you better respond to it because it may never come your way again. You're making an assumption today if you believe that something you've done, someone you've known, something you experienced other than regeneration in the world, in the spirit of God, you are assuming today that you're going to be in heaven and that's dangerous. Oh, what a terrible thing. What a terrible thing to look in the eyes of another human being and then nod their head and say, yep, I'm ready to go when they have no idea what it even means to be ready to go. What a horrible thing when we try to convince a man of their sin and they reply, I have no sin. I'm good. So all is well. Oh, he said to them, he said, the, the man made the great supper and he bid many to come. He said, but as he began to make invitation to those that were bidden, he said, they all with one consent began to make what? Excuse. They began to make an excuse. Do you realize today there's a lot of excuses about going to heaven. There's a lot of reasons that people ain't got time for God today. I thought to myself I'd give this, this message a title, No Time for God. But I, I'm just going to leave that up to David. He does awful good about coming up with those things, so you have at it, brother. But I'll tell you right now, these first three that he spoke of, they didn't have no time for God. You say, preacher, what in the world? Who would make such a decision why people make it every day? Every Wednesday night, some are, some are debating on whether they're going to go to the house of God. You say, how come? Because they got other stuff to do. Amen. They love that stuff more than they do God. You say, preacher, that's a little bit hard. Yeah, it right down the lines of Jesus, wasn't it? Amen. He said he begged many, but they all with one consent made an excuse, said we can't come. We can't come. You know why they couldn't come? Because they didn't want to. Amen. The reason people don't go to church because they don't want to. Amen. The reason people don't serve God because they don't love him. You can make up all kinds of excuses if you want to, but the bottom line is you love something more than him. Whatever is your first love, I can assure you this, that's where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. All of that's tied together. Oh, listen to me, precious friend. If it's had anything to do with this world, I'll beg of you tonight, get rid of it. If there's anything in this world that keeps you from God and you can identify it and say that's greater than God, you ought to burn it, sell it, get rid of it, give it away, whatever it takes. Don't make any difference the cost. You get that out of your life because I'll tell you right now, there are people dying and going to hell every day because they don't have any time for God, because they don't love God. They don't know him. They don't know him. People come sit in the church on Sunday morning, and there's some of them that don't know him. They've watched people that do know him, worship him for year after year after year, and yet they still sit there staring, amen, like, like, like they just saw something brand new and wondrous every time that they see the Lord work because they still have no idea what's going on. You say, what's happening? Well, they made an assumption they're getting to go, but they've never addressed the real problem. The Bible said when he went to the first man, the first man said to him, he said, well, he said, I've got something that I'm tied up with. 
He said, I've bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty flimsy excuse. Anybody bought, bought land without taking a look at it? I realize in the real estate market today, there's some of that going on. But I tell you, they're foolish too. Amen. To buy something sight unseen, people do it sometimes. But most people have got enough sense before they pay, pay for something, they'll, they'll get their eyes on it. They'll set their feet on it. They'll walk around it. They'll touch it, feel it. Try, try to figure out if what they're buying is worth what they're spending. But may I say to you, this man, he didn't even bother to fix that one. He just said, well, I bought something. I got to go see it. I need to, I ain't, ain't going to be able to come. Would you just let him know I'm sorry? But you know what? I, I just don't have time today. I got something else to do. How many believe today that you couldn't put off that till tomorrow? Amen. The, 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 the supper was for a specific time. It's for a specific place. And the invitation was now and now only. And yet this man said, I believe I'll just deter. I'm not able to make it. Have me excused. And he allowed the servant to go away and never accepted the invitation. May I say to you today, friend, that if any earthly possessions are keeping you from God, you need to deal with them. You need to deal with them in a very severe way because there ain't anything more important than Serving Christ. And yet people every day let their earthly possessions keep them from serving God. Is that you? Is that you tonight? Be honest now. This is between you and God. You don't have to tell me or your neighbor, but you but he does know. He does know if there is any earthly possession, anything you own, anything you want to own, anything that stands between you and God, he knows exactly what those things are, those things that have taken his spot. And brother, I can assure you today that the the God of this supper, the man that makes this supper, he gets angry over rejecting the invitation of grace and love and mercy when people spit in the face of God and reject the death of his own only begotten son there is no higher rejection than that you better be careful of rejecting the invitation to come you may be assuming this this evening that you're going to heaven but I want you to know not everybody's going to heaven not everybody's going to heaven you've got to be born again to get there Amen, which means you've got to accept the invitation when the invitation comes. By the way, going to the supper is by invitation only. Does everybody understand that? You won't get saved when you want to get saved. You won't get saved on your deathbed after you've sowed your wild oats. You won't get saved when you're good and ready. You won't choose to serve God just when you feel good and ready to do it. May I say to you today, if the Holy Spirit of God gives you an invitation, you've got one chance to get in. If you ever get another chance, it's just proved God's rich in mercy. But you've got one. You say, preacher, God, don't say that because I've already rejected that one chance. Oh, pray to God tonight he'll give you another. But you hear me now. You will not get saved until he gives you another. You may spend the rest of your life in fear and trembling, begging God for an opportunity again to hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit and to bow on your knees and be born again. But it may not come. It may come. I don't know. But what I do know is you're messing with something you can't fix. You can't get to heaven apart from Jesus. What a terrible excuse. Because I've got some earthly possession that's more important than having supper with the king. 
something that's occupied my time that is more important than going to the supper, eating bread in the kingdom of God. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus, what he was saying to him was, hey, buddy, you just made a statement that you can't even, you can't even back into. What he was saying was, here you are claiming, blessed is he that eats bread in the kingdom of God, and you ain't even going. You ain't even going. He, he gave them the parable. He said when the servant went out, he bid them to come, and the first one said, first one said, I can't. I bought a piece of ground. Got to go see it. And the other one, he right in behind him said, oh, I can't go either. I can't go either. He said, I, I bought me some oxen. You know what you use oxen for? You work. Huh? That's, that's what you do. Right? There's possessions. And then there's things you got to do. There's occupations. There's things that tie up our time and our love and our efforts. And sometimes we pour all we've got into those things of this world that when it comes to the end of it, ain't going to have no earthly, no heavenly relevance. Not going to have any power with God. Amen. Other than how I lived and where I worked and, and how I served God in the occupation he gave me and how I obeyed God when he told me to say something or do something. Amen. That's the only thing that's going to matter. He ain't going to stand there and say, well, boy, I'm tickled to death that when I gave you an invitation, amen, you didn't have time for that because you're too worried about getting more oxen so you can plow more fields. That ain't going to do. That ain't going to do. What's going to happen is you're going to stand before the judgment bar of God and you're going to say amen to your own condemnation. How come? Because you put your job in front of Christ. You put your work, you put your earthly dues in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. There is nothing in this world more important than Jesus Christ. Amen. We ought to all be able to say that without reservation, that there ain't a, there ain't a possession I own that he can't have. Amen. He gave it to us anyhow. According to Job, he gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you've got your lock and stock in the things of this world, you better cut them ties because you may be assuming right now that you're going to heaven. You better cut the ties to the possessions of this world, but you also better get your priorities in order. Because I can tell you right now, if your life and how you serve God and live for God is dictated by your occupation. You better study that out and make sure your heart's in the right place. You say, preacher, there's some people that can't come tonight because they, they have to work. I get that part. Amen. I'm not talking about that. There, there's nurses and doctors and EMTs and firemen and all kinds of stuff. Amen. They work strange shifts and they do odd things. But you know what? Somebody that loves Jesus Christ, you know when they're going to be here? Every time they can. You know why? Because they actually got a ticket. Because it's what they want to do. A child of God, you're going to find them in the house of God. You're going to find them in the word of God. You're going to find them in their knees before God because that is what a child of God will do. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is going to heaven. Don't assume tonight that you're going to get to go to heaven just because you're in the doors of New Providence Church. What matters is that you've been born again. If your heart is set on the things of this world, it just likely could not be set on God at all. The Bible said the man that loves this world, the love of the Father is not, what does it say? In him. You know what the word says, right? So how in the dickens can we confuse ourselves and, and make silly assumptions 
when we know good and well that, that our own love is in the things of this world and yet we still want to make a remark like I'm going to go to heaven. Blessed is every man, or blessed is the man who eats bread in the kingdom of God. Well, that's just a cliche. That's just something people say. You're going to go to hell saying them kind of things. You need to be born again. Made an excuse because of earthly possessions. Made an excuse because of earthly occupations. Let me tell you something. If your work, ultimately, if your work keeps you out of the house of God seven days a week and you're not able to get there, you better do some, you better do some digging and make sure you want to be there. Now, I believe I know some people, amen. There's times they can't be here, but they want to be. See, that's different. That is absolutely different than somebody that has no desire for him, right? That makes an excuse of why they can't be when they really can. You see, those excuses that we have right here, them don't hold water. Them don't hold water. He said, about five yoke of oxen. I need to go and prove them. Let me tell you something. I don't ever pay for something that is necessary for what I do until I have checked it, right? I ain't going to buy five oxen and show up and they all got broke legs, Amen, are they all about 50 pounds? Amen, couldn't pull a, a string down the field. I have got better sense and so do you. We shouldn't make excuses. If you're making excuses on why you can't go to the house of God, you better check up on yourself. You say, preacher, how in the world can you say that? Because Jesus did. Jesus didn't even hesitate. Not a second, as soon as it came out of his mouth, he said, hey, I got a parable for you. You know why? Because he loved that man. He loved everybody in that room. And he did not want them to be deceived about whether or not they were actually going to be in the kingdom of God to eat bread. The Bible said the third one said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Now, it was true in the Jewish religion that if you got married, you had one year off work from going to war, right? If you just got married, you had one year, right? Tell you, hubby there, he got one year from going to war according to the Old Testament. That didn't have nothing to do with the synagogue. And yet this man said, I got married, can't come. Got married. We got earthly possessions. We got earthly occupations, then we got earthly relations. Let me be real clear. If there is somebody in your life, I don't care what relation they are, if that person is the reason you don't go to church, you're the same as this man. You're the same as this man right here. See, the truth is the reason we don't go to church, we can't blame it on a wife. The reason he could not go is because he didn't want to go. Right? Because the truth of that is, he could have took his new wife to the big supper. That'd be good, wouldn't he? You'd think that a man that really loved his wife would want her to go and eat bread in the kingdom of God. You'd think that the most important thing in the man's life was his wife and his children. And he wouldn't make such a flipping excuse as, I've, I've got a wife and I cannot come to the dinner. Well, sure he could have come. Well, sure he could, and his wife would have been tickled to death to get to go. That's how most homes are, by the way. If daddy just wake up and recognize his responsibility before the Lord God is the priest and the provider of that household and get off his backside and take his family to the house of God, they're liable to all get saved. 
you know why he can't come? Because he got married. Well, that's the most ridiculous statement I ever heard of. Matter of fact, when I got married, I, we both made a vow. <laughs> we going to church, right? Of course, I was afraid we were going to starve to death. But we made some promises. Let's God, we in this for the end, and it'll be for him. We ain't going to miss no church. We ain't going to skip no church. We ain't going to walk out of the church. We're going to stick with God. We're going to stick with God's people. And he's been faithful to me. He's been faithful. I'll tell you right now, if you blaming your children or you blaming your wife on that's the reason you can't come to church, what would you do if he thought, well, I guess I'll just move that excuse out? Bless God, I got all these youngers and they all play ball on Sunday. What would you do if you didn't have no youngins no more? Would you then run to the church? You know, we're messing around with stuff. We, we, can't, we can't make the water go back under the bridge, son, once it's done. When the egg's broke, that's it. You got to deal with what's scrambled. They all made an excuse. They used earthly possessions, earthly, earthly occupations, and they used earthly relations as these flimsy excuses on why they couldn't go to the supper. Let me tell you something. The truth is that there's no good excuse to why you ain't born again yet. The only excuse that'll hold up is if he ain't asking. The only excuse he's going to do, right? And you can say that one and I'll take it. Right? Well, he never offered. Well, now, if he ain't ever offered, amen, we can agree. You can't go yet. But there's a bunch of people he's offered to. I'll tell you right now what they said. Ain't got time. Oh, I got to do this. Ain't got time for God. I got to do that. Know this. Blame their family. Blame their work. Blame their, blame, blame their possessions. You can blame everything you want to. But none of the excuses were any good. You say, how do you know? Because it made him mad. Made who mad? Made the man mad. Again, who was the man? The Lord. The Lord's the man. The Bible said it made him angry that they so flippantly put off his offer of grace and eternal salvation. And you think he's angry now? You wait till judgment comes. The wrath of God will be poured out, friend. You ain't seen the wrath yet. It's coming. You're going to make an excuse on that day? No, not on that, that day. No, on that day, there'll be no excuse given. No, you'll not do anything except say amen to your own condemnation. You ain't going to fuss with God. You ain't going to negotiate, argue, give excuse. Nothing will work. If you stand before God unconverted, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. There's no remedy for it. No, the remedy is that when the servant comes to your house, you have got to receive the invitation and say, yes, I'm coming. By the way, I'm sorry, I never RSVP'd on that, but I was the preacher. I assumed you knew I was coming. (laughs) See, there's a problem with making an excuse to God because the truth is he knows, he knows, he knows that you you just want something more than him. He told a servant, he said, he was angry. I'll just have to say this. I thank God. 
And, and we can thank him today that the spirit of slumber has rested upon the Jews, amen, so that the Gentile might come to know him. Amen. Thanks be unto God. Right in the context, I'll, I'll give you, I'll tell you that right now. I thank God that they refused him. Bless his name. He came to the poor next. And he came to the blind and the halt and the maimed. Right? That's us. <laughs> amen. That's the, that's the dead dogs of the world, alienated from the commonwealth and Israel, apart from God, without hope, and God in this world. That was us. And he came looking for us. Bless God, he, he found me. I was that little blind, maimed, poor, halt, young and sitting back there, and he found me. And he gave me the invitation, said, would you like to go to the supper? And I said, I would. And uh, I get to go. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm already in my seat. Just supper ain't been served yet. But it's ready. Did you know it could come any minute? That's how close it is. You can smell her. It's almost ready to set on the table. We're close. What if it was tonight? Could it be tonight? Huh? Yes. 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 What he said was, tell him it's now ready. It's now ready. She's, it's cooked. It's ready. I'm fixing to put her on the table. Tell him to come in. You know why he wanted him in here, Ross? He said, so my house would be full. Let me give you a statement. I, I don't, I'm not going to give you any scripture to back it up. But I want you to hear me right now. wonder what happens if his house was full tonight. What if, what if somewhere in, in, in the middle of nowhere America in some little church that nobody knows nothing about and some poor old preacher stands up there and he just pours his heart out and, and some one poor sinner says, oh, save me, Jesus. And God saves him says, full. That was it. That's him. I had one seat. And that's full. You know, I believe there's... He said, right, he said it, right? And, he, and these are an earthly example with a heavenly meaning. He said that my house might be filled. Which leads me to believe that he's filling it up. And the Bible said the servant come back in. Why well, ain't it something to be able to go back to the Lord and say, there's a few come. That tickles me to death to see him come. Right? See him come into his house. It just thrills my soul. You know what I say it all the time. You know how important you are to me, right? Looking at you in this place on a Wednesday night and on a Sunday night and on a Sunday morning, you people, I'm look, you're always here. What a blessing. Because you're in your seat. I ain't talking about that seat, but I'm talking, you're in your seat. You got a seat at the table. And you're proud to be in it. And every time the people of God gather, you'll find the people of God there. He said, my house ain't full yet. He told a servant, he said, you go back out. And you know what our job is today? Go back out. That is our responsibility as the servants of Jesus Christ today. It's as simple as this. Our responsibility is to go back out. Tomorrow is another day. If the sun comes up and God tells you he's coming, Alfred, we got another chance to go back out. Where are we going? We're going to where he said to go. Where's that? He said to go into the highways and the hedges. 
Where's that? It's every nook and cranny that you can find. It's every person that you can get to listen. It is everybody that will give you ear. Who are the people that need to be saved? God only knows who they are and who will be saved. But he's given us the responsibility to go back out. No, you ain't done. <laughs> That's what the servant thought. He said, well, it's done. That's what he told him. He come back in, he said, got the poor and got the maimed, got the halt and got the blind. He said, come back and told the Lord. He said, it's done. And the Lord said, go back out. But this time, he said, go where you didn't go before. Go to the places you ain't been before. Go to the people you ain't talked to before. Go back out into the highways and the hedges, and then I want you to compel them. Come in to my house that it might be filled. Go back out. We've got a responsibility to go back out. Now, let me be clear. The only ones that can affect somebody that needs to come to the invitation, the only people giving out invitations are those people that have got one. But if you got one, guess what? You can give one. And if you've been born again and you know that you will eat bread in the kingdom of God, then you have a responsibility to go back out and to give an invitation to the next man. Give an invitation. Everybody that's been given an invitation and has received the invitation now has the ability to give invitations themselves. Come get a soul. People are making assumptions that they're going to heaven. Jesus thought that something he must deal with immediately. Right? Look at the text. He could have let that go. The guy was just saying it flippantly, just generalization. They said it all the time. Blessed is the man that eateth bread in the kingdom of God. Right? They said it all the time. Just one of them things that people say. Jesus didn't even hesitate. He said, let me give you a parable. There was a certain man made a great supper bade many to come. And the ones that he bid to come, they made an excuse and rejected him. And he sent his servant out to ask more. Some of them came, and he said, go out again and continue to go out until my house is filled. We have a responsibility, but it starts with being born again. Now, I don't know your heart tonight, and, and this, is, this is Wednesday night, right? I, I know I done said it. I'm preaching to the choir. I don't know anybody in here that ain't saved. But you know what? Somebody that I thought was saved could get saved tonight. Because the truth is they've not really been saved. I just didn't know it. Right? We've got them. We've got them. Their very testimony was as I lived deceived for years and years. And then the Holy Ghost conviction got a hold of me one day and brought me out of the darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ and I got born again. They're among us. If you're here tonight and you need to be saved, tonight's the night to do that. Not tomorrow night, not Sunday morning. Right now, today, while you're still breathing, while you've got breath, you've got an opportunity to be born again. And I'm going to bid you to come. I'm going to, I'm going to invite you tonight. I do it every time I stand. I invite you to come and be saved.
I invite you to come in and receive the, the gift of eternal life. Receive the very gift of what gets us all into the kingdom of God that we might eat bread in the presence of God one great day. What about you? If tonight's that night, you might be sitting here and say, Preacher, I just realized, I thought I was saved, but I'm lost. I need to be saved right now. Right now's the right time. Right now's the right time. Preacher, I got somebody that I love that I, I just know that they're not saved, but they think they are. Keep inviting them. Go back out tomorrow, would you? Give them a call tomorrow and say, Hey, I'd like to ask you again. I love you. Would you come to church on Sunday morning? Would you? Love to have you. We got to go back out. They ain't going to come in. We're living in 2022. They don't come to church no more. They used to come to church, right? 50 years ago, lost people came to church. Why? Because there's, there's fine women in the church, right? That's the kind you wanted to marry. Them lost fellas, you follow them all around the church. You know what happened to a bunch of them, Paul? They got saved. If you start coming into the house of God, they something start coming into you. Like old song says, I went there to fight, but oh my, that night, something got a hold of me. Start coming to the house of God, you're liable to get saved. But they don't come to the house of God no more. Best place to preach to lost people is at funerals. They still come to them so far. They need Jesus. And it's my job and your job. Go back out tomorrow. Look one of them in the eye. Say, I sure do love you. Wish you'd come to church. We'll love you every way we can. We'll do everything we can to make you feel at home. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Would you come with us? Would you just give him an invitation? He didn't ask you to save him, Greg. He just asked you to ask him. Compel him. Do the very best you can. Convince them. They need to come. They need to come. They need to quit making excuses. Make it right with God. Do business with God. Get your invitation. Get ready to go. If you're fixing to leave here, it won't be long. You're going to leave here. I don't know you tonight. don't know your heart. But if you need Jesus, I'll invite you. I'll invite you to come know him. If he spoke to you tonight, would you stand with us as we sing? You've got a need of the Lord tonight. Would you come and pray? We'll pray with you. Would you come?